about this. You've never been at this exact moment in this exact place as this exact version of yourself before. Whoa. I'm Bron Carley. And I'm Cindy Harville. We believe that when we approach the journey of life with curiosity, joy, and a desire to grow, we can have a powerfully positive impact on the world around us. Join us for conversations and explorations that will change your perspective, shift your mindset, and inspire you to get out there and spread the good stuff. Spread that good stuff. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Spread the Good Stuff podcast. I'm your host, Bron Carly. I've got a very, very, very special guest today. We're going to jump right in. This guy is a phenomenal musician, composer, performer, and educator. He's got hundreds of millions of views through his individual videos on YouTube, etc., as well as his collaborations with others. He is my performance partner for keynotes and concerts. He is also my soul brother. Please welcome Aaron Williams. Yeah. (laughs) What's up, Ron Carr? Thanks for having me. Bro, we're going to have some fun, man. I'm so excited to jump in here and talk and just really just just get in here. I want to I really want to steer this conversation um, you know, cause when we do our live keynote events and, and performances, we talk a lot about the IEI, which is, um, ignite, expand, integrate. And we talk mm-hmm. about that, that cycle and that process for, for, for people to go through. And so I really want to just unpack that a little bit and hear a little bit more of your perspective, um, you know, with your life's journey here, as we always set the tone with the Oath of Possibility, uh, which is our life is a journey. We've never been at this exact place, at this exact moment, as this exact version of ourselves before. Today, we give ourselves permission to explore, to be curious, to receive old information from a new perspective, new information with an open mind, and to be reminded of things we may have forgotten. So, with that said... Thanks, buddy. I've said it once or twice. <laughs> Sound like you practice that. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Um, but I want to ask you, um, what was the ignition point for you, that inspiration when you felt ignited inside of you? Um, as you know, as and I'll let you take it in what what area you want to, either as a performer or as a music educator. What what really inspired you and ignited that 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 spark? Uh, within you to, to, to move forward in such a way that you have with your professional career. Yeah. And uh, I guess I'll start by just saying thanks again for having me. I'm very excited to be here. It's going to be a lot of fun. And um, I like the way you framed that question just now, because you made the invitation for me to reflect on being ignited as a performer and as a music educator. And I've often thought about how similar those are for me and how similar all the things I've been ignited by kind of are throughout my life. When I was young, I was first ignited by seeing someone, I think I was in fifth grade and the high school band came to our elementary school, or maybe I was in fourth grade. Yeah, and I saw all of these different instruments and they gave us an opportunity to try out the different instruments. So there was trumpet, clarinet, flute, percussion. I tried out all of these different things and I loved the trumpet actually back then. I wanted to play trumpet in fifth grade band. But I couldn't play trumpet because um, various reasons and affording an instrument and all of this stuff. So I just kind of quietly let the opportunity pass me by. Although my mother knew I really wanted to play trumpet or be in music at all. And she could see that I was a musical kid. So in sixth grade, she talked to the band director. I had no idea she was doing this. And she got me into band as a sixth grader. 
And I started percussion my sixth grade year. So for me, it's always been seeing what's possible and then wondering, could I do that too? That looks amazing. Could I do that? And if I could do that, what could I do with it? What would it look like when I did it? So it's always been that way. And at first it was with percussion. And that was when I was in fifth and sixth grade. I honestly thought back then that I was just meant to play percussion. This is such a beautiful thing. I was so excited by it. And I started getting into it and practicing it and started getting good at it. It's like, this has to be my calling. I'm a percussionist. And that's what I announced to all my friends in sixth grade. I'm going to be a percussionist. And then this didn't happen until maybe my mid-20s. I had this epiphany as I realized that I was really getting into tap dancing and really wanted to become a better pianist and really wanted to become a better singer. And I was starting to do music education more and more. And I was so passionate about trying to be a good music educator. And I realized that what it really is, is that I see someone do something well and I, I see the possibilities like, oh, it can be done that way. Wow. I had no idea. I want to do that. And it was with you. I saw you at that TED talk in 2012. I was like, what? Bounce juggling and beatboxing or speaking or being this extremely engaging individual on stage, like knowing all these things are possible. Like, oh, I want to do that. 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 So I get ignited and, uh, and then I have to try it. And unfortunately, there's only so much time in the day, so you can only try so much. So I'm constantly trying to find the balance between how much am I going to pursue or let this ignition, this particular instance of ignition, ignite me to actually try something or how much can I pursue that curiosity? How much can I pursue that curiosity? And you know me, we talk all the time. You know how curious I am about everything, not just music, but about everything. And you and I talk about uh, all things under the sun, including what politics and religion and the cosmos. So you know that I'm get, I get curious about everything pretty easily. So for me, it's always been a balancing equation. Like what do you do with that curiosity? Mm. And you mentioned those other parts of IEI. You mentioned the, the integration at the end, which to me is always the challenge because that's where time commitment and time management really come in. So I don't know, I'm kind of meandering with this question, but I definitely do think that there are a lot of parallels between the education and the performance. And I kind of treat them the same in terms of you have to learn what is possible, what other people have learned, because you can reinvent the wheel, but that just takes so much time and energy. I did eventually get that lesson for some of my mentors. <laughs> so um, you can't reinvent the wheel all the time. You can, but it's going to take you a lot longer to get where you want to be. Um, and then, then another important one is just that time commitment that you and I mentioned. And then, of course, you know, having mentors in the first place. Um, yeah, I'm kind of meandering, but no, I, let me pause that, there. That's right on point. At you. <laughs> yeah, that, that's right on point, bro. I think it's uh, because that in that integration realm, there is, there is a prioritization filtration that things have to go through uh, because we only have so many hours in the day, you know, and there's lots mm -hmm. of studies around this, but essentially if you're getting eight hours of sleep, you got 16 in the day and a certain amount of those are going towards, you know, your basic, whatever your relationships, your basic needs, you know, survival, all the, you know, all the different things, uh, work, et cetera. And so how do you prioritize? And, I think, you know, for me, I always think about the return on investment of as I'm pouring in, what am I going to get out? And that could be selfishly for me, or it could be cultivating a skill that I know I'm going to be able to use as an effective tool to 
you know, enhance the quality of a relationship with someone or to teach more effectively or to, uh, you know, lead more effectively or do business in a more, um, you know, kind of compassionate way or whatnot. So I'm always kind of looking at that, but what does that kind of prioritization process look like for you being someone that is so ignited by all the possibilities and so curious about, about life? How do you uh, kind of filter things? Yeah, good question. And I guess I can share, you know, in this podcast, something that we do share with our audiences at some of our keynote events, which is um, a very simple process that I use with my students because teaching, I see all the time how easy it is to this challenge. This is one of the biggest challenges, right? You get taught something, you're in a class or a tap dance class or whatever it is, you have all this information and you go home and then you're excited and you're ignited, but there's just so much stuff. And I'm still guilty of this. I have just manila folders from years <laughs> filled with workshop notes. And I was like, ooh, I highlighted this thing. I wanted to incorporate that into my teaching. Or I want to teach this song to my stu- students. Or I want to try this thing. And I never got around to any of it. So um, helping people integrate is one of the big things that we also try to try to do when we work with, when we work with people. So um, for me, one of the things that I share is this simple three-step process, which is the first word, the prioritize, which you just mentioned prioritize, it can be as simple as choosing one thing that you definitely want to incorporate and integrate. And then the next process is to make some kind of a um, time commitment, a schedule. And then um, the last part is to actually stick with that and hold yourself accountable. So it's really easy. Prioritize, schedule, which is where the commitment comes in. For me, and everybody's different. For me, step two is the hardest part. Once I've made a commitment, though, I'm there. I'll be at the marimba every day for four hours, or I'll be at the drum set every day for two hours. So for me, just getting that point of commitment where I'm like, I'm actually going to do this. Yes, Aaron. Yes, I'm saying yes. Let's do it. And then the last part is accountability. Who are you accountable to? And for us, it's really easy because I'm accountable to you (laughs) when we work together. Or when I'm teaching, I'm accountable to my students. I have to show up with the stuff ready for them. But um, a lot of things, when I'm just accountable to myself, like working on some new piano skills or incorporating some new marimba solo into my rep. Those kinds of things are a little bit harder because you know you have to create or seek something to be accountable for. But if they're really important to you and you commit, then usually finding accountability isn't that hard to do. Yeah. Well, now I, I love this, bro. And you know, we're talking a lot of here about technical skills, right? Technical skills, fixed skills, um, you know, but also I'd love to explore what does it look like when we're leveling up our emotional skills, our soft skills, mm-hmm. our communication skills, our skills of compassion and, and things like that. And, you know, the internal dialogue, you know, narrative and kind of rewriting that. What, what might that look like as far as being able to, you know, kind of, I, cause I love that the, the three, the three steps there of the, you know, prioritize schedule and be accountable. How can we apply that three-step formula to more of the soft skills and emotional intelligence. Excellent point. I think the biggest one is just to understand and recognize that there's not a difference. It's not like, oh, here's social emotional skills. Oh, here are technical skills. They're all the same. They're just skills. And this is one thing that I had to learn from others, which is that even something as simple as the process of communicating that is a skill itself that can be honed and improved. The, the process of critical thinking. People aren't just born critical thinkers. Most humans are not. 
as we probably would agree on, but you can get better at this skill. And I remember very clearly because at the school that I was working at, our staff was having not necessarily butting heads, but we just needed help. We needed some facilitation in terms of being able to communicate with each other because at the school that I was teaching at at this point, it was very collaborative. And we were always working with each other, trying to reschedule things, trying to get group stuff done, trying to accommodate each other's needs. And it was much more malleable of a schedule than I had ever worked with before. So just that process of making all of these changes all the time was driving people crazy. And our the director of that school hired a specialist to come in just to talk about communicating in a very easy way, in a very transparent way that doesn't accidentally forget, you know, to be accommodating to, to the other person. And I have books on my desk right over there about how to engage with people, how to ask questions, um, how to have, have how to have hard conversations. I have books about this stuff and I practiced it. I practiced it on my students, don't tell them. But um, I also practiced it with other people just in random conversations. Um, I've, I've learned a lot practicing with you because every business relationship, and ours is a friendship, but it's also a business relationship. Our business relationship, we've had so many courageous conversations and we call them courageous conversations because uh, it, it never ends, right? We're humans, we're social creatures, we're always gonna need to have these skills. Yeah. So for me, that happened literally about four or five years ago when I finally realized these are skills that I can improve. Before then, I thought people were just born yes. amazing communicators like yourself or have we're all inbuilt limitations with those things. I didn't really see it the same as just practicing skills on the piano that you can get better at, but it really is the same way. It's a, it's a little bit different because the emotions that come with communicating with another human in a social setting are much different than the emotions that come from just sitting down and practicing a technical skill, but they're, they're still very much the same. Yeah. Well, and what's uh, so many cool things that you just said there, but um, one, one point that I want to make is that, you know, no matter if it's, you know, managing a team, working with a team, teaching people, educating people, or delivering a message, performing, all of those require the soft skills and the emotional intelligence. You know, so it's kind of like the, the it's the skill within the skill, you know what I mean? And that's such an omnipresent skill that's within basically anything you want to share with people, you know? <laughs> and I, I love what you said, though, about having your epiphany you know, five years or so ago where you realize that, oh, these soft skills of communication and things are, are skills that I can actually improve upon. Just, I simply identifying them as skills, right? It, that just, just being able to name that, you know, and, and there's, there's a lot of amazing people that I like that I follow. You know, one is uh, Dan Siegel, who writes a lot of books, uh, the, the whole brain child. And he does a lot of, um, learning and development. And, you know, he says, you know, name it, attain it. And you, once you put a name on something, then, you know, suddenly you can talk about it and you can bring it more into conversation. And so just identifying that, Hey, that communication is a skill. Storytelling is a skill. Listening is a skill. All of these things are a skill self-regulating, right? My emotions or your emotions, that's a skill. All of these are skills. And once we can start to name them, then we can start to understand them. We can be curious about them. Then we can really lean in with that, that mindset of curiosity. And then suddenly we can explore the possibilities of what it might be like for us to strengthen those skills. So I love that awareness that, that, you, that you brought in there. Um, and how have you seen 
those skills enhance the quality of your relationship uh, relationships with either other staff members at you know facilities or also when you're teaching people, when you're trying to convey um, and share knowledge in the hopes that it will become wisdom with them, with kids and adults? Okay, great question. And it's interesting too, because some of these skills, especially the social emotional skills, they also enhance your awareness. So it's almost like a switch has been turned on. And when you're communicating with people, you're a little more aware of how they're receiving you, which changes the way you communicate with them. So it's almost this positive feedback loop. And I'm sure you've experienced that a lot because I know you work, uh, I work a lot with younger humans. I know you work a lot with adult humans as well. And uh, with adult humans, it can be a little trickier because I feel like, and this isn't necessarily the case because I know you're a dad. So <laughs> you get pushed back from, from your kids a lot. I know I've seen it. They're amazing, by the way. Love them. But um, I just know that there's a little bit of difference in the dynamic when you're an adult teaching a, a young human as, a, as opposed to teaching or talking or communicating or collaborating with a peer. Yeah. And um, so there's, there's a little bit of a difference there. So there is a lot more care that has to go into or thought that has to go into how you communicate with someone that's a little bit older because they don't necessarily assume that you're an authority. Because when you're a kid, everybody who's bigger than you is like an authority on everything. Yeah. <laughs> so when, but when you're a big person, it's different. Suddenly yeah. like, wait, why should I listen to this person? And you mm. have to break down those barriers before you can even talk to them. Mm. So um, I'm actually really curious to know just, I mean, for me, I see you in action and I'm just in awe all the time. Like, wow, how does he do this so efficiently? And I know that you've practiced this and you've thought about it and you've told me about some of the training that you've gone through and some of the mentors you've been accountable to and some of the ways that you've leveled up. But I, I'm curious to actually ask that question to you in terms of how you maintain kind of this, this, um, I don't know, that kind of self-awareness. I don't know how you actually engage with someone. Like what are the things that you're thinking of when you engage with someone that's an adult and you know, it's going to be either information that for them could be emotionally sensitive, or maybe it's something that they haven't thought about before. And it's new information for the first time that you're introducing that could give them a little fight or a flight or fight, you know? Yeah. Well, that's, and that's a great, and I love you asking me questions. Thank you. Uh, thank, you for, thank you for flipping that. So, you know, and, and like you alluded to there, it's like, like the oath of possibility, you know, new information with an open mind, old information from a new perspective, or, you know, remembering things we may have forgotten. And so as we can hold that at the forefront uh, of our minds, put that into our mental search engine, that that's what we're searching for. That's what we're reminding ourselves of. Uh, then it so suddenly puts us fully in the present moment here. You know, I'm, I'm right here and there's a door in front of me and that is a door of opportunity. And if I choose to open that door, I'm going to walk through that, that, that door of opportunity, that door of possibility, and I'm going to explore something new. There's going to be new territory, even if it's a conversation that I've had before with, you know, someone five years ago, 10 years ago, yesterday, whatever it was, you know, I just left that conversation. It's still a new moment here. And there's this door of possibility, this door of opportunity that I'm walking through. Um, so for me, you know, the context definitely makes a difference as to how I approach it. Uh, you know, cause I would, you know, I consider myself, uh, my, my, my number one skill is communication. That's what I, that's what I, you know, when I think of like, what am I really good at? It's like communication. And I, and I just love that because there's so many, um, subtle skills that come together to create the super skill of communication. Cause that's just a broad topic. 
But for me, the environment makes a huge difference. So what kind of an environment am I in? Uh, am I addressing an audience of 10,000 people or am I talking one-to-one to somebody? Uh, you know, is there a counter in between us? Are they customer service and I'm the, the customer, you know, I mean, you know, am I the teacher and they've hired me as their coach? Uh, and you know, maybe they're an executive and maybe they're a leader, but they've hired me as their, as their personal development coach, you know, that's going to create a different dynamic. Uh, you know, versus if I'm talking to my mom, you know what I mean? So, so there's always the environment, then there's the agreement or the contract between the parties. Um, you know, is it, is it one-to-one? Is it one-to-many? You know, what's that environment like? So that's going to determine how I approach it. So if I'm in a one-to-one environment, then I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be improvising with the social cues that they're giving me. I'm going to, I'm going to match their, uh, their tempo and their intensity level and their dynamics of, um, of, of, of speaking of their body language, uh, you know, all the mirror neurons, I'm going to be matching what they're giving me. I'm going to, I'm going to essentially understand that, acknowledge it and possibly reflect it back, you know, um, which is kind of, you know, classic NLP training, you know, neuro-linguistics programming type stuff. Um, so maybe I'm going to reflect that back to them. Or I'm gonna, um, you know, use keyword backtracking, and I'm going to repeat what they say. And a basic way of that is like, if you use the language of, um, you know, oh, it's a great day, it's a great, I love the autumn. You know, it's like I might reflect that back and say, oh yeah, so yeah, I love autumn too, and it is a great day today. Before I say whatever it is that I'm going to say, so what we're doing is we're creating a, we're creating our own little microcosmos here, our little language patterns that we're sharing together. And it's all musicality. You know, we're creating a song together. Essentially, I'm taking their language. I'm going to reflect it back. I might, might add my own intonation or inflection. I might sing it or speak it slightly differently. Um, maybe they're super intense and I match that, but then I bring it down a little bit and I say, Hey, let's take a breath together. You know, and I do this all the time with my um, with my boys because my two boys are are very spirited. They're full of of life, and um, and sometimes I need to redirect that energy. And in order to redirect it, I need to kind of calm that down, center that, breathe into it, and then we can find a new healthy outlet that we can channel it into. So, um, so those are some some practices that I use in the one to one setting. Now, if we take that over into a, a group setting, which is, you know, as you know, I spend um, my second home is the stage, you know, so it's, <laughs> it's thousands of shows, you know, for, you know, uh, multiple decades. So it's, you know, when I'm going to present to a thousand people or 10,000 people or whatever it is, now suddenly it becomes a bit more complex because what I'm attempting to do is I'm attempting to present a monologue, but make it feel like a dialogue. So it's mm. only, you know, me or you and I, you know, that I'm the one with the microphone and everybody else is listening. And so they don't have that opportunity to engage with a question or a comment or a reflection or, you know, to add to the conversation, so to speak. So now the depth of thought that's required for this is infinitely deeper, infinitely more complex. They're more, much more moving parts. In a conversation one-to-one, it's like playing checkers. You move, I move, you move, I move. 
when I'm addressing a thousand people or 10,000 people, it's more like chess, you know, and I've got to think move to move to move to move to move. I've actually got to play the whole game without them getting any moves in a sense, you know, <laughs> you know, which is a really fun way to look at life, you know? Um, so, so then I'm thinking about, Oh, if I say this thing, what question might someone have in response to that? And then I anticipate that. And I say, now I've got to answer my own question, you know, or their own question that they might ask. And so then I'm going to make a statement and then I'm going to answer the the potential pushback or curiosity or whatever that might be. And then I'm going to take it somewhere else. So I'm thinking step, 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 step. And this comes from um, uh, actually a combination of, of, of both of those realms, a lot of one-to-one conversations with different types of people, as well as a lot of performance, um, you know, settings, because one of the most complex parts of, and challenging parts of public speaking is the practice time, because it's very different than the technical skill, (laughs) right. Of, of like, you're preaching to the choir, (laughs) right? Yeah. All right. Okay. I want to practice saxophone more. Great. Just go practice saxophone more. I just in my soundproof room or, or whatever your typing skills or math yeah. problems or, you know, science yep. exploration, whatever that may be, any of those, any technical skills, learning that, that knowledge, right. Um, public speaking, it's like, how do you simulate that environment? Right. The only way to get better at public speaking is to publicly speak, you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, 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 yeah, so that becomes infinitely more complex. But um, anyway, let me let me tie a bow on this for the moment <laughs> and pass it back over to you to insert because you know when you open this can uh, for me, communication, public speaking, all this uh, that's a, that that could, that could be a five day seminar with no breaks. <laughs> yeah, 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 it absolutely could. Thanks for sharing all of that. And uh, this is what I mean. I mean, you have so many skills and so many just little tips and a lot of things uh, that have become completely intuitive to you that someone like me would hear some of these things. And we've been working together long enough towards a lot of these I've heard before, but go back 10 years, five years, and some of these would have been completely brand new to me. And I really love the analogy of the music in terms of how you engage and how you're listening. And that's what it really comes down to is the listening, but it's not just listening because you also have to know how to deliver. And that idea that you're the person with the microphone, but you're trying to have a monologue that feels like a dialogue. Like, I love that. So, um, and also just for the audience, uh, this is something that Brancar has helped me with in terms of learning how, how do you practice public speaking? Because I, I perform, I love music and I speak and I teach and I facilitate as a music educator, but I don't necessarily go on stage specifically just to speak. It's usually for me, my preference is to go on stage to perform or to play music or to deliver something in a musical way. So to deliver the ideas and the content without necessarily having to hide. (laughs) I shouldn't use the word hide because it's not really hiding. It's really using it in an efficient way, but um, without being able to hide behind a marimba or piano, it's such a different beast. You know, so Broncard, yeah, for the audience, this this is definitely something that you've helped me with a lot and continue to do. So, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know where where should we where do we go from there? There's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and I, well, I also want to make it a little bit more about you know the the, the listeners here, um, and that's you know, it, it, it you know this the perform the skill of performing in public speaking. Um, that's a skill that that can be applied in everyday situations. 
You know, that's that's the the skill that can that communication, that fundamental skill that can be um, extremely valuable in any situation where we're you know where where we're interacting with other people. Uh, you know, the like I said in the customer service uh, customer service situation, if you're at the store, you know, or if you're, I mean, there's. It's so many countless every day, literally every day. I don't know how many interactions I have, but it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm conscious of, Oh, I'm going to implement this skill. I'm going to try this thing. I'm going to do that. And a lot of it comes with me teaching, you know, taking my, you know, my boys with me and showing them how to communicate with people in order to, you know, selfishly get the best deal or get the greatest return or get the, whatever it is. But also more than that, which I really focus on is how to bring out the best in them, how to make their day a little brighter, how to search for the smile so that you're filling them with a little bit of, uh, of, 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 you know, ignition inspiration, uh, so that they might expand and then integrate or adopt a new, um, a new way of thinking or whatnot, but to give them, give them that good stuff, uh, so to speak and fill them up with that. Um, but, but yeah. what I was going to say, yeah. But what I was going to say is for everybody listening, it's like anytime, if you're on the phone with somebody, there's skills. If you're on a Zoom with somebody, there's skills. If you're you're driving a car, there's skills, all these communication skills. Certainly, if you're leading a team, uh, that monologue dialogue thing that, that, that you just talked about, Aaron, uh, having that awareness um, and thinking about that, that's obviously direct. If you have a group of 10 people or 100 or 1,000, um, you, you know, you're you can anticipate the, the collective consciousness and you can anticipate what a lot of those questions might be. Certainly in a one-to-one too, if you're having, as you talked about earlier, a courageous conversation, which you and I have, I mean, we've been in a relationship for a decade now and we've had, we don't always get, a, we don't, we don't always get along. We don't always see eye to eye. I mean, oh, yeah, right. Of course. Yeah. And, and you know what I say, a little bit of tension keeps the guitar in tune. So I think it's healthy. Right. When you share your opinion or your perspective, and it may be opposing to mine, and then I say, well, let me pause and really hear that from that perspective. And then like, like really soak that up. And then when I can do that, then I can speak from a new perspective and a new angle, uh, or maybe I'm, I'm slightly changed myself and I've grown or evolved or heard something new, but I'm open to that possibility. Um, so I think that's, uh, yeah, a few points here. Let me pause. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think this is such a good point for everyone who's listening to this podcast is that this isn't necessarily a skill that you have to be using in a particular, with a particular goal in mind. Like I want to incorporate it into what I'm doing with my team or with my office or with management or with my students. This, this is the type of thing that levels up every aspect of your life where you're communicating with people. And it's also just a self-fulfilling aspect too. And it's going to enhance, it's going to make your life more enjoyable and less painful. I mean, just as something as simple as dealing with traffic, I, I was surprised because in LA traffic is my number one. If I can deal with traffic in LA, then I'm happy here. Like even worse than the sun and the crazy hot temperatures here in the Valley, it's always about traffic with me. So these skills, this is, this is really interesting. We haven't talked about this yet, but these skills actually apply to the way that I drive because I see someone driving now and they do something weird and I'm a lot more forgiving because now I'm in the state of mind where I'm like, well, maybe they came from blah, 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 or that wasn't intentional. And if it was, and if it's actually a dangerous situation, then I'll handle that differently. But I can take my emotional reaction out of it and look at it as just a situation 
that's uh, a need for communication. Driving is such communicative yeah. uh, thing that we do in society. Unfortunately, everyone doesn't understand that. But I'm not going to get into that right now. <laughs> but yeah, just just for the listener though, I think for someone watching this segment and thinking like, well, yeah, this all sounds great, but I'm not going to go out and give a keynote speech, so I don't really need to worry about this. True, you don't have to worry about it, but having these skills constantly, you know, improving in small incremental ways or putting some attention into practicing just the way you communicate with people or reading a book or watching a speech or something about some of communication skills or the social emotional stuff, you'll be a surprise at how much those little things can really enhance just your enjoyment of life. Yeah. When you show up at the Starbucks and the person is totally overtaxed and then you come and bring this really simple energy and you're easy to engage with and you're forgiving of them. Or like me, last week I was at Best Buy. I've been trying to, I've been trying out different computers. And I, there was one moment when I was waiting around for over 30 minutes, not a single person even said hi to me. And I felt myself getting angry. And then finally, someone finally came and, and spoke. And um, I was, I felt myself wanting to complain, but instead I was like, well, okay, he just showed up. He's been working with all of these people. Let's try the different approach. And we just hit it off right away. And it was one of my best experiences at, at a Best Buy. Ended up coming with something that I really liked. And um, we actually talked. I, I saw him again recently at Best Buy, just randomly on his way out. It was funny because he remembered me just from that, from that little moment. So just little things like that. You make friends with people and it's just easier. And you yeah. get the things that you need. Yeah. And people want to help you. Yes. And then you want to help them. It's just, yeah, there's so many benefits that, to, um, to all the, the information and all the skills. So I just want to reiterate that for the audience. Yeah. And it's, and it can be one of those things where, and unless you have that awareness, you're not aware of it. You know what I mean? It's just like, you know, you're like, wow, that was a really pleasant experience. Well, wow, that was really fun, man. I, I kind of want to go back to Best Buy and just hang out. You know, it's like, who says that, you know, Aaron says that that's who, but like, uh, you know, but it's really good. One thought that came to my mind was a way that we can practice this to level it up. Um, and this is something that I, I do is every day I think about what I'm typing into my mental search engine at the top of the day. What am I searching for? And just like, you know, we open up a browser on our computer and we type in a question, we're going to get the answers to that question. The same thing happens for our own personal thoughts. What are we putting into the forefront of our mental search engine every day? And when we can type certain things in there, think certain things in there, um, like how am I going to help people today? How am I going to bring out 10 smiles in people today? Um, you know, things like this. And we start to ask those questions and we start to look for that just like we would, you know, if, if we, you know, when we, uh, you know, you start like with, the, with my boys, we play I spy. And everybody's played I spy and you say, I spy with my little eye, something yellow. Obviously, if I say that right now, everybody watching this is going to see that yellow sign behind me, right? You're going to see that. And so because now we've collectively put that on the forefront of your mental search engine. And so you're going to find that. And the same thing applies with how we approach life, playing that I spy game. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I spy in my third eye and my little mind, you know, it's like, what am I typing in there? And so then we're going to be searching for that. Right. And in any situation, because wherever you go, there you are, you know what I mean? And so it's just like, yeah. So playing little games like that. So my invitation for everybody listening um, today would be uh, tomorrow morning when you wake up or actually when you stop this podcast, when this ends, just ask yourself, 
Uh, what am I typing into my mental search engine today? Right. And then, and then think about that and think about what comes up for you. And just doing one simple thing like that every day at the top of the day will help to give you a North star, a beacon for the day. Yeah. I really love that search engine analogy because I immediately knew what you were talking about the first time you mentioned it, because I noticed that when I've recently searched for something, I do start to just notice it and see it more. It makes you more aware. And at, at first I was wondering, wait, is this some kind of weird magic trick? Why am I noticing all of these things all of a sudden? Like, have they always been there? And I just never noticed. And I think the answer is that they've always been there and I just never noticed. Yes. And all of those opportunities have always been there and you may just have never noticed. Yes. But when you put yourself into that mindset, that, that E, that expansive mindset from IEI, yeah. <laughs> suddenly you start to notice these things. Yep. And that's absolutely it. And, and inside of that IEI, that integrate, expand, or, um, uh, ignite, expand, integrate, that's that expansive mindset. You know, that's getting into that expansive mindset. It's like, oh, yeah, those questions of curiosity. What are we typing in there? You know, mm -hmm. what are we typing in there? And, th and that is true. It's always there. Right. And, and whatever, like we just discovered this again. And I know we're going to wrap up this podcast in a moment here. But but like I just we just experienced this with uh, Cindy, my wife, with Cindy. She, you know, she said, I want to I want to do some more camping. And we were like, okay, cool. And then we just looked up state parks. We were like, what would happen if we hit all the state parks in Georgia? How many are there? And we typed, oh, there's 48 state parks in Georgia. Holy cow. I had no idea there were 48. And I'm like, that's amazing. And the thing is, is these 48 state parks, they've been there. I don't know how long they've all been there for different lengths of time, but they, they're there. They're existing. And it was like, I didn't know they were there. And now suddenly, you know, we've got that like on our minds. We've got that there. And now I have a vision board over there that has, you know, that has those state parks on there. And then a couple of things that go along with it, but that's part of the vision now, because that now becomes a visual affirmation vision board. That's going to remind me, Oh, those 48 state parks are there. And then I'm going to see that every day. And it's going to remind me and help put that on the forefront of my mental search engine. And then I'm going to mm -hmm. actively engage booking campsite, you know, going there on the weekends or whatnot, but those parks have been there. We just discovered them by asking the right questions. And it's like, how much information is there out there for anybody listening right now? There's answers to those questions in your mind. It's just about asking them and searching for them and then being inquisitive, being curious, asking those questions of curiosity. Um, yeah. And asking the questions is so important, too, because it allows other people to be your search results. Because um, I remember very vividly, this is. I guess two years ago now, when I finally decided I have to give my own marimba, it's time. And I suddenly put that out there into the universe and I started talking about it. I was talking about it on Facebook and I was actually doing searches online. And suddenly three different opportunities to get a five octave marimba came into my life, all within a two month span, which was crazy. After 10 to 15 years of never having a marimba, never thinking about owning my own marimba, just because they're so big, I can't really travel with them, et cetera, et cetera. I was like, you know what? Why not? And then suddenly within a few months, I had a marimba. Yeah. It's, it's crazy how that works because other people come into your life that maybe have results to that search query yes. and they can help you with thing. Yes. And those questions of curiosity inside of the query, right? But the questions of curiosity, you know, what would happen if I had a marimba? I wonder what would happen if I had a marimba. I know that there's marimbas out there, right? There are marimbas out there. Are there marimbas out there? 
Yes, there are marimbas out there. How do I get one? Oh, cool. Wow. So it is possible. And that's that oath of possibility. And it is possible. And that's a new doorway of possibility there that you walked through by asking those questions of curiosity. Suddenly you got those answers. And now you have manifested a five octave marimba. So the question for the listeners. Yeah. Yeah. Congrats, bro. So the question for the listeners is what do you want to create? What do you want to see? What do you want to find? What do you want to discover? Uh, you know, and, and start asking those questions of curiosity, typing that into your mental search engine and then opening those doors of possibility. So, um, Aaron is, uh, for the people listening, cause we're going to wrap this up and we're going to do another podcast for, for everybody. We're going to have a part two to this. So if you're enjoying Aaron Williams, AKA Aaron Grooves, um, then, uh, he is going to be back because we could talk for days and days and days and days and days. Uh, you know, the investees and soul brothers and all that. But for the people listening right now that are interested in checking your workout, how can people find you and connect with you? Yeah, the best way is through my YouTube channel, Aaron Grooves, A-A-Ron, G-R-O-O-V-E-S. But um, I'm sure that'll be posted somewhere in the description. and You can find me very easily. You can also search Mario on Marimba. That's my first viral video. And oftentimes people find me easily by just searching for Mario on Marimba and they find my video. But uh, yeah, that's, that's the best way. So Aaron Grooves on YouTube and then Mario on Marimba as well, which was a video, a uh, very successful video with hundreds of millions of views and like, yeah, very, yeah, very, very, very cool and very successful. So awesome. Well, Aaron, uh, it's such a delight to vibe with you here, brother. And um, I'm looking forward to the part two of this. And for everybody listening in, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, keep in touch with us and get out there. Take the energy, the inspiration that you're feeling right now. Expand in some way, integrate it, and spread that good stuff out in the world because the world needs you to shine your light brightly and sing your theme song at the top of your lungs. So get out there, spread some good stuff, and make the world a better place. Thank you, Aaron Grooves. <laughs> Thank you so much. You rock. Thanks for listening to Spread the Good Stuff podcast. If you like what you're hearing, then join our community at spreadthegoodstuff.com forward slash community. In addition to this podcast, the Good Stuff Network puts on group programs, live events, and retreats, all infused with music, meditations, laughter, and real authentic connections with amazing human beings. If you got some value today, do us a favor and spread the good stuff by sharing this podcast with your friends and family. Spread that good stuff.